0: Welcome to the Spinning Our Gears podcast. As a reminder, the issues, views, and opinions discussed on this podcast are those of the host and their guests and do not reflect that of any department, agency, city, municipality, state, or country. All character, stories, and individuals discussed on this podcast should be considered fictional for entertainment value. Blue Falcons, that disclaimer was for you. We are on all the major podcasts and social media platforms. If you would like to contact us, head over to www.spinningourgears.com and click the Contact Us link. We'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Now, without any further fanfare or ado, here are your co-hosts, Turk, Erica, and Kenyon. And once again, this is the Spinning Our Gears podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Spinning Our Gears podcast. It's me, Turk. And as you guys can see, I'm in my editing clothes right now. You're going to see me in some different clothes for the interview uh, if you're watching the video podcast. But what happened was I got very excited for the person I got to interview for the show. And I tried to, I guess, seem a little more professional in the way that I presented it. And I tried to do one of those like rolling intros where you give the whole background of the person And i made a couple mistakes so they cut me off they literally threw up the tea and said hey we gotta we gotta make a correction there and in the process of doing that i forgot to actually introduce the person that i was interviewing so i had to cut that up just a little bit uh, bring you guys the intro right now but i think you guys are gonna like what you're about to hear if you are anywhere near as excited as i was i think you're gonna like it a lot before we jump into that i do want to remind you all of the risen warrior coffee company which is a local family-owned coffee company that uses the best ingredients they can in their coffee because they believe a good cup of coffee can change someone's world, and they're serious about that. Head over to the www.risenwarriorcoffee.com and look at all the flavors they have. Go ahead and pick yourself something up for these cold winter months. Code Turk and Swagger at checkout gets you 10% off your first order. Then, head over to Amazon because I think you're really going to like the book that I have behind me here. It's the book that I wrote. I know. You look at me and you don't think an author... But I actually wrote a book. It's called "Imposters on the Throne, Warriors in the Shadows. I had a lot of fun writing this book. I think it has a great message, and I think you're going to like it quite a bit. Hardcover, paperback, and Kindle versions all over at Amazon.com. Now, we're going to head over to this interview, which I really, really hope you guys like. It is with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. Oh, we're calling cool. time?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Uh uh, uh, it was, it was not a doctorate and I, I've got oh. 12 published books, but, uh, only one is really about killology.
0: See, I, th- I thought at least, at least two of my thought were on it, but I guess that yeah, was, yeah, I was wrong there.
1: And then on combat follows along the line. brother. Okay. A
0: little really bit of an issue there with the background research.
1: Right. Yeah. Just, like I know, uh, my right hand guy had told us, don't worry about all that stuff.
0: Just okay.
1: It's <laughs> right. awful kind of you, but as soon as uh you know, integrity is, our, uh, is our, our treasure and our shield. You know, if there's something wrong, you just got to, hey, wait a minute, time out. Absolutely. And, uh, and I know uh, you and, uh, and Swagger have, uh, have had to deal with uh, some significant challenges in the integrity realm and leadership. Yes, sir. And, uh, uh, you know, what, what a beautiful thing that you and all your listeners out there, that you take this, uh, this situation you guys were in and turn it into something positive. And uh, first off, I'm a huge fan of what I call the, the podcast revolution, you know, back in the day, you know, 20 odd years ago, uh, I was on 60 minutes in 2020 Yeah, and it didn't add up to hill of beans. I mean, uh, a week later, you know, that's five minute soundbite week later, nobody cared, you know, but, but you know, all we had were three networks and, you know, on a couple of local newspapers and some national magazines. If you did not go to them, you, you didn't get on, but today we got people like you, who have busted that wide open, and more importantly, people like your listeners, who want more than a five-minute sound bite. right? And uh, and it's really a, an awesome thing that you, you kind of taken uh, and focused on leadership and wellness and, uh, and and really you know all sheepdogs and sheepdogs right. are everybody who's dedicated to protecting their part of the world, their little flock, you know, their family, if you will, uh, and, uh, and and honored to be on board with what you're doing, brother.
0: Well, and it's kind of like you said, you know, I've done a, a couple different interviews for the position I have now, and it's a thirty-minute interview that then gets, like you said, a two and a half to a five-minute soundbite that they get to edit to whatever they want to. Yeah. And we've we've said from day one that this podcast is going to be all truth. We'll make it anonymous, but we're not going to cut out any of the any of the background stuff. We're going to bring you, you know, the truth that we have. So
1: and the world needs that, brother. This power and truth,
0: you got to believe in it how many podcasts have you done now? Do you think?
1: I don't know. You know, I, well, I, 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 during the pandemic, uh, we everything shut down. We really did do a lot and I still, I'd sure. like to do one every day. Sure. Uh, I'm doing two today, but okay. none yesterday and none the day before. So, uh, I, I probably a, a couple hundred and, and I really love the process and every host pulls us in a different direction and it, it's of use, it's a value. And, uh, uh, certainly the kind of things you guys are talking about as far as wellness and why we stay in the fight. And I love, you know, your spirit. You said, you know, we didn't want to leave the profession. We wanted to stay in the fight and make it better. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I retired from the army 26 years ago. I'm 67 years old. I'm on the road over 200 days a year. And it's my promise, my, my, my prayer that I can do it for another 20 years. And, um, and, and it's very similar to you guys. You know, if, if you wanted to stay in the fight and keep mm-hmm. contributing, I, I asked the question at the beginning of my presentations in recent years. I said, well, what is I drop on my marker, you know, evil? What's the opposite of evil? And the, the opposite of evil is love. Uh, evil is the absence of love just as darkness is absence of light. And we fight evil with love. And, you know, I, I ask people, you know what makes a great cop and what makes a great first responder is empathy. What if that was my family that had been attacked? What if that was my family killed by that drunk driver? What if it was my family trapped in that burning building? What if it was my spouse that was assaulted? What if it was my child that was assaulted? What if it was, was my father dying and needing CPR? You know, what? what, what that, that, that empathy is, is love with the shoes on in action. And, and you know, people who seek this profession, uh, they're not doing it for the money. Right. Although in the years to come, I think you'll see law enforcement getting paid a lot of money. We're we're a rich nation. When things are all wrong, we throw money at the problem. We have not even begun to throw money at this problem. Right. Um, but if you're not here for the money, and I've heard oh yeah, they're cops because I like to boss people around. It's <laughs> about, about the stupidest thing you could ever possibly say, because the amount of crap that cops have to take every day. There's people giving them the finger, people disrespecting them, what are you gonna do? Uh, you know, if, if if they wanted to boss people around, they'd be in the wrong profession. So it's, a, why are we here?
0: And, it's and definitely, it's not... it starts off with that passion, right? And even though you see those cops that get 15, 20 years on who get pretty salty and pretty crabby, yeah. they wouldn't still be there if they didn't have that passion somewhere inside of them. Yep. And <clears throat> I love the fact that you talk about love being the counter to that. I love the fact that you talk about religion and a lot of the things that you do and the, and the things that you write because when you describe a warrior, so many people think of that hardened battle, you know, warrior that goes out there and fights every day, but a warrior's true, true passion is love to begin with.
1: <clears throat> yes.
0: So I love, I love it when you talk about those type of things and, and reminding people of why they got into it to begin with.
1: Yeah. But so, you know, waiting at home for me, I tell people is my, my bride of 48 years, my high school sweetheart. Uh, she was 15. I was 17 when I proposed to her and we, we are from Arkansas. <laughs> two years later, she married a crazy army paratrooper. we had been 48 years. I love her more than life itself. But I get home one, maybe two nights a week, conjugal visit, clean underwear back in the room. <laughs> because, uh, because we love our children. We love our grandchildren. I got a grandson in the army now, and blink, but I will be great grandparents. And, and that's what love's about. Love means the worse it gets, the harder you fight. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, if, if we love our nation, if we love our God, we love our family, we love our way of life, then we've got to fight for it. And, and, and you know, everything whittles down to one thing. Uh, identify the one thing in the universe you can control and do it. Let go of everything else. You know, we study resiliency, and we study people who do not get PTSD. And Viktor Frankl, in a Nazi death camp, walked out and did not have PTSD. And, and, and he said, I realized... The only thing universe, these Nazi bastards couldn't control is how I choose to respond. The only thing universe we can control is how we choose to respond. And if we give weight to bitterness or cynicism or complacency or denial, that's the one thing we can control. You give no world a victory with your own name, we will not give them that victory. So I I tell people what this means is you know when we talk about self-discipline, self-control. And uh, and you don't lose your temper. You give it away. Right. The only thing in the universe you can control is yourself, and you just gave it away. Now that's easy to say, it ain't so easy to do. But to paraphrase Victor for Uncle, you know, it's a big game. If you lose your temper, you lose the game. And that's true with your family, it's true with everybody you meet. It's hard, but it's necessary. And it's it's the the core of resiliency, it's the core of the uh, uh, the warrior mindset, the sheepdog mindset. And I love what you said. You know, uh, Jared Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings, he said that uh, the, the warrior fights not because he hates what's in front of him, because he loves what's behind him. And that brings us back to love. Mm-hmm. And, and love means the worse it gets, the harder we fight. And things are bad. Things are, are crazy bad out there. Uh, violence has exploded like we've never seen before. Uh, 2020 saw an explosion of homicides like nothing we've ever seen before. Medical technology is holding down the murder rate. We're being lied to every year. They talk about the number of dead people, and they never mention, oh, by the way, medical technology is right. holding down the number of dead people. we got record number of cops murdered in the line of duty. So what's the media tell us? Big push in this last year. Oh, well, in 2023, the murder rate went down. Just right. a tiny fraction. Right. But here's what's happening. we got two crime reports. One is what law enforcement reports. The other is the Crime Victim Survey. And the survey is pretty good data year after year. And the survey says crime is up over 10%. Well, crime is down a little bit. Now, I tell you what's happening. It's a lot of crime just not getting reported out there. Yes. Uh, Whole parts of our city that are just, you know, we record number of cops murdered in the line of duty in 2021 it went down a notch in, 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 in uh, 2022. I asked cops why. <laughs> it's easy. We don't go to that part of town no more. Right. We know how to not get assassinated, how to not get murdered, how to not get executed. We just don't go to that part of town no more.
0: Or so many of them were hanging out in their squad cars, just not getting out of the car, right? If, I, if I'm at the police department, I can't get hurt. Hey, if the I'm in murder
1: it, doesn't get reported, then it doesn't, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't count against you, right? right. Uh, but what that means is this that part of town no longer has justice. Correct. They they no longer have justice. Uh, The social contract, the Pharaoh, the Romans, us, here's the big deal, every government, the social contract says, you obey the law, you pay your taxes, and we'll help keep you safe. Ain't that the deal? Right. But if we can't keep them safe, why would they obey the law? Why would they pay their taxes? And that's what's happening. This is sure. a breakdown of our civilization. Now, I have faith that we'll turn the tide and, and good people will rise to the challenge. That, uh, but we don't understand how this eats away at the fiber of our civilization. Now, the one thing that every cop has to understand is interpersonal human aggression. Violent crime is the single most psychologically toxic thing yes. any human being will ever face. And the DSM, the Bible of Psychiatry Psychology says... Whenever the cause of your trauma is human in nature, the degree of trauma is usually more severe and long lasting. So I tell you, you tell me, is there a difference between these two scenarios? Scenario one, tornado hits a house while you're gone, put your family in the hospital. How you feel about that? Oh, thank God they're alive. Scenario two, criminals break into the house while you're gone and beat your family in a hospital stay. Now you feel any different. It's all the difference in the world. One's an act of nature, the other's an intentional malignant act by a human being. On 9-11, terrorists murdered 3,000 of our citizens. Our way life changed forever. We went to war. We invaded two nations. That same year, 30,000 people died in traffic accidents. Didn't change nothing. Right. They were accidents. But you see, that, that, that's, that's the thing to understand. Is not only is the social contact breaking down. Not only are we deceiving people on how bad it actually is. And they say, no, they know, but it is the most psychologically corrosive thing anybody would ever face, violent crime. And that's our cop's job. You think the firefighter prepares for the fire, the diver prepares for the sea. How much more so do we prepare for that toxic realm called combat? And so that kind of lays the foundation of why we stay in the fight and what it's all about. And and here you guys, who took a bitter situation in, in, in a department. So we're going to turn this into something good. We're going to start a podcast and we're going to focus on the things we can do to have good leadership and good motivation and, and, and how we can stay in the fight and make the world a better place.
0: Well, and we had to turn away from that toxicity ourselves too, because like how you talked about not, you know, not letting go of your anger, the, that environment was affecting us so much where we were becoming toxic and negative before we even got into the building. and is once we lost control of that, we had to regain it. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, how you talk about, um, you talked about the social contract breaking down and what a lot of people don't understand. And, and you really harp on the media in your books fairly. We yeah. talk about, you know, uh, responsible media and then irresponsible media. Yeah. For some reason, that social contract is broken down to the point where it used to be, if you and I got into a fight, there was a reason for it. We would yeah. throw punches. Once the fight was done, we were done. But yep. now there's no feeling in fights anymore. And you've got two and three people ganging up on a person. Yep. You've got people using gun violence and things like that. <clears throat> and so that's what we're seeing now more and more. And the reason the crime ro- crime rates are skyrocketing so much is because there's no more feeling behind it. And I think it's because of the media, like you talked about.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of it. We know that. And we know so many <clears throat> of these people are motivated to be famous. <clears throat> the, uh, um, uh, the, 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 mass murder in, uh, in the, the school in Florida, uh, and Parkland school massacre, mm-hmm. uh, the killer had a had a had a had a social posting prior to the murder that I showed all my audience. It says, uh, "I'm going to be the next killer of 2019. I'm, I'm the school shooter." It said, "I'm going to murder at least 20 people with an AR-15, and you're going to know who I am, and I'm going to be famous, and it's going to be awesome." What's this guy's motivation? What's his motivation? It's fame, and the media gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oxford Michigan killer I show a page out of this guy's journal with this scrawled writing you, you can barely understand at the end of his journal this killer says I want the world to remember me what's this guy's motivation His fame and the media gives it to him the media has this blood on their hands it's just one angle of the harm that they're doing you know um I was a West Point psych professor uh I came up through the ranks <clears throat> and uh uh I uh went to OCS and but I got to teach at West Point, really a cool place, neat opportunity. And we did a, a section in, in an intro psych on what we call cluster suicides. And the media found out, this in, is in the 70s, and in the, in the, in, the media found out if the local media reported high school suicide, there'd be more suicides. And, and they commit suicide, to be in the news. And, and we know in our schools, if we do a memorial for a mm-hmm. suicide victim, There'll be a bunch more suicides. They will commit suicide. Right. Because I know how to get a memorial. I'm going to make everybody sorry about me. Mm-hmm. And they'll take their life. Now, in the same way. Now, so what the media did in in response to that, the most cowardly, gutless thing journalists ever did was say, okay, we're not going to report this and we're not going to admit we we're doing harm, but we won't report high school suicides anymore. We're, we're gutless, cowardly. And they've just gone downhill since then. So, so, um, uh, I tell people there was a, a, a mosque massacre in New Zealand. This guy live-streamed himself. He live-streamed on purpose. His goal was fame, and it looked like a video game as he live-streamed himself committing this massacre in two different mosques. And the Prime Minister of New Zealand said, this man did what he did for notoriety, for fame, and will not give it to him. She said, New Zealand will never say this man's name. New Zealand will never show his picture. We will not even give this man his name. Boom. Finally, somebody gets it. That's punishment. That, that's,
0: that's punishment. Make him nothing. Make him nobody. It, <clears throat> Sorry, I'm having a little camera trouble here. Right. But I am listening, I promise. Yes, okay. um, <clears throat> I think a big problem with that also is that you see the, the keywords and the phrases they use to get that click or to get that viewership. Um, we, we just had a shooting about two and a half hours from here at a high school where they were interviewing the students that heard the gunfire. That doesn't provide any sort of factual information towards what happened. It's not news reporting. It's trying to get people to to click on your link and to watch what's going on. But then again, it does exactly what you talked about, where it's providing fame to that person who did it. And it's almost instilling that mindset in other people that this is a possibility, just like with suicide, how it was giving people the idea to kill themselves.
1: And you know, another thing, Kirk, you know, it it's a self-reflection. You use the term shooting for, for a, a homicide. Mm-hmm. And when, when did we start doing that? When did we start, you know, shooting is an Olympic sport, right? Shooting is a constitutionally protected, right? Shooting is your job. Uh, shooting a movie, shooting a, a, a TV show wins Emmys and Oscars. Basketball players make millions of dollars for shooting baskets, you know? When do, we, when do we take these evil murders and start calling them shootings? But the media is desperately trying to point the finger somewhere else. And so they focus it on the gun. It is not, it's not about the murder or, or the killer. It's about the act of shooting. And, and, and shooting is not a criminal act. And when did law enforcement, you know, we, we're in a business, I'm a reserve cop. I, I grew up with a cop, you know, we, we have great precision language. We talk about the alleged perpetrator, class A and class B misdemeanors, and first and second degree homicide, and, and manslaughter. When did we suddenly start just accepting this terminology of shooting? And then when we take mass murders, we call them shootings. When the cop's in a shooting, you condemn my own words. Right. And say shooting means, shooting's uh, uh, you know, an alternative word for massacre and murder. And they say, I'm on a shooting, I'm the good guy. You know, like, right. So we've been trapped by the media's own language dynamics that have been inflicted upon us. We don't even think about
0: it. And ironically, that just happened. A local jurisdiction had a um, an actual shootout with a suspect where the suspect was using an AR and firing rounds at them throughout an entire police chase. And at the end of it, either details are sketchy. We don't know if he took his own life or if he was you know, killed by law enforcement, but, but media kept calling him the victim. He was the victim of a shooting. He, he perpetrated this entire thing. How is he the victim of any of this? Right. So I, I don't know if that is a, if it has become, you know, the, to answer your question, I don't know if that's become a societal thing where we're just okay with it now, if there is something that has shifted us that way. But I totally understand where you're coming from when you make those comments.
1: You know, and, and I, I, I think it comes back to identify the one thing you can control. And those are the words come out of our own mouth. And it begins by saying, no, I'm not going to use that word shooting. It's, it's not a legal terminology. This is an attempted murder. This is a, a, a murder. It was a mass murder. It was a massacre. We're not going to use that word shooting for these, these evil, evil crimes, and you know, there there's people are offended. There was a guy doing a presentation at, at a at a school and he talked about the killers. And the teachers were offended that he called these these mass murderers killers. Mm-hmm. That that, that <laughs> that's what this, the action they engaged in was to commit a murder. And yet they refuse to use that word and they're offended by that word. And so we can't let that drive the agenda. The thing we can control is the words come off our own mouth. And 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 that creates a sense of reflection. And I think after preaching that for over over 25 years in the law enforcement community, I think we've made some progress. Yeah. I think we see people working hard. And, you know, and and what if he's not shooting? You know, I, I'm told we actually had a case. A teacher said, well, he wasn't shooting. He wasn't an active shooter. I wasn't sure if the training applied. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it, it's not even precise. What if he's got a knife? What if he's got bombs? What if he's not shooting at the time? You know, he's not a shooter. And we talk about active shooter response. When the reality is, it's a, it's a you know we, we're violent intruder, right. any violent intruder that we're, we want to deal with, who's a who who's potentially threatening violence, or, or and so we we've got to just come back to the one thing we can control, that's ourselves. The words come out of our mouth, and uh, and, and 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 again, not like you guys, I think um, uh, you guys did such a great job. You said, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to leave the profession. We're going to go somewhere else where we're appreciated. And, and there's, there's value in that. You know, the Bible, uh, Jesus sent the uh, disciples out and uh, and and he told them, you know, you, you, you go to a city and if they listen what you have to say, good. If they don't listen what you have to say, knock the dust off your sandals and go to the next city and leave them behind. And that's, you know, yeah yeah maybe your current jurisdiction and God bless the poor people living in that current jurisdiction. God bless the citizens, but maybe your your resources would be better appreciated and better paid and, and by going somewhere else and, and you got to respect that kind of decision yeah to stay in the fight and go someplace where they're willing to appreciate what we've got to give
0: I love that um yeah I've, I've heard go go to where you're appreciated not tolerated Amen. so I like I like well that said. a lot. Yeah. I have a question for you. It's a hypothetical and maybe you don't have the answer to it, but as we're having this conversation, you talk about making things better and kind of swinging that pendulum back. I think a big problem that we have right now is that so many leaders in law enforcement do not want to talk to the media because they're afraid of how the media will report it and how they will decide to make that, that video clip. Yeah. How do we get to the point where, sorry, backtrack, when we become quiet, then the public tends to be standoffish to us and turn on us a little bit because we're not providing that information. Yeah. How do you see us finding a solution to that problem where we can kind of have that, that three phases, the public can get the information they need. They can support us like they, they want to, and we can provide the service that they deserve.
1: Yeah. I I think that uh, it comes back to things like this podcast, uh, breaking through the barrier. I think having a, a, a Facebook page, and having the appropriate individuals get online and say, "Here's what we know. Here's the situation," and, and then you control what's being passed out. I, I think we can bypass that. I think the the local media becomes increasingly uh, 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 unimportant. It uh, uh, shouldn't have had to be that way. They did this to themselves. But they're you know if they're not uh, accurately reflecting the situation, uh, then we really can do it ourselves mm-hmm. and having your own Facebook page and having the department, uh, uh, go out. we, I mean, you know, my, we, we, we got the, some great examples out there, Fox news, got sheriff Grady Judd and some other good people that are on, on doing some good stuff. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we, we don't get focused on the things you can't control. It comes back around to identifying the things you can control the tools you do have. Uh, creating a podcast, having a department Facebook page where the spokesperson, whoever it is, whoever it is, says here's what we know about the current situation uh, and when we know more we'll update you and just post that online. And then the media wants to take a clip out of that. They can run with it. Uh, if, if they don't want to, then that's that's on them. But the public will more and more start turning to straight to the department, give us the news that we need. And, and we can do that. We can really cut to the 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 red tape, if you will, and uh, and and go direct to our citizens. the the awesome thing about American law enforcement, um, you know, I, um, I, I I taught in England law enforcement a while back, and the uh, one of the it was like the number two guy in in their police agency, and there was England was divided into I don't know twenty odd agencies, and that's all of it, and all of them fall under one umbrella. And and, and he he said, yeah, you guys got your sheriffs in America. He said, you elect somebody to be your law enforcement leader. I said, I'm going to find somebody and elect him to be my dentist. (laughs) I said, said, well, you know, you really got a good point. But the truth is, you got to trust the public. And the public will elect sheriffs who do what they want them to do. Right. And in America, we 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 have way over a thousand sheriffs. We have way over 10,000 police chiefs and the, the police chiefs answer to the local city authority and the sheriff's answer to the local voters once every four years. And so we've got this dynamic built into our system. There's not. And, and the left, whenever the left gets in control, one of the first things that I do is centralize power. Uh, they, they in all of the left, most of the left wing states, the sheriff has been gutted. The sheriffs are either shut down or the, they, they're, they're, not, they're given just minimal missions. And uh, you know, and they're trying to centralize authority that the city does a bad thing. They'll send the state police in there. They wanna centralize power. When the reality is our nation was revolved around decentralized power. and The individual city is making the decision to on, on, on law enforcement. And that's a really beautiful thing. And progress is frustrating. Progress is two steps forward and one step back. Mm-hmm. That's progress. So two departments doing something smart and one department doing something stupid, <laughs> that's progress. Right. It's frustrating, but it beats the heck out of having some godlike force on high making demands. And so we see the woke intrusion into military. We see woke you know, intrusion into various aspects of life. But law enforcement has got the potential to be one of the positive forces that can carry us out of these times. Because they answer only to the local citizens, and it's a beautiful system, and, and nobody else really has anything quite like it
0: No, none that I can think of um, it, I, I think uh, when you you know, make those references, I think of Uvalde and yeah. how as soon as something bad happened, the state entity came in and was really just kind of throwing accusations all over the place for any information was out there um, what what's What was your take on that with? I guess just several agencies being involved and yeah. then no one getting together collectively right. to find out what actually happened.
1: Well, let me give you kind of my angle on that. You know, <laughs> I mentioned Sheriff Grady Judd, you mm-hmm. know, Fox a little bit, and uh, a, a great guy. And they brought me out to train his department. What an amazing uh, example of positive leadership and good things happening. But um, Sheriff uh, Judd, he said, you know, he came home that day after the school massacre. And he said, his wife, he said, my wife looked at me and she said, if you have all the happens here, you don't go in. Don't bother coming home. <laughs> Whoa. You know, the Spartan mothers and the Spartan wives would send their men into battle with this command, come home with your shield or on it. Ain't got your shield, don't bother coming home. And, and I, think, I think 95% of all law enforcement nationwide Said something similar to themselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I, I would I would die to prevent that from happening and 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 I'm going in and in the end it was a it was a a a, 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 a fed who who said I'm going in yeah who, who 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 was able to 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 end this this tragic incident but what's really is what the media hasn't reported the media said, oh it's all about the guns it's all about the guns well how those getting kind of last work out for Mexico how's that working out for them? Right. You know, right there's more involved here the media. Has to point the finger somewhere else. So what's really important is what Texas did do. Texas, after Uvalde, identified what they can do. Number one, keep that doors locked. Right. All doors will be shut and locked all the time. Now, how hard is that? Right. You know, I, 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 I and, and Uvalde, in Uvalde, exterior door unlocked, interior door unlocked. Uh, the interior door could not be locked, as as I understand it. There was a Correct. work order on it for months. Correct. So so so, yeah, yeah, how hard is this? You know, I tell people I, that the last time any American kid was killed by school fire was the mid 1950s. It, it's been it's been 70 years since a single kid has been killed by school fire in America, and and, and it's the law. You know, half the cost of the building goes in the fire code, the fire sprinkler system, and and, and only you, know, oh, you block the fire exit, can't do that. Fire code, so it's the law, and we do it. I tell them. Make them lock the door. This safe for a day. Make it the law. This safe from now on. My mom had five kids. She loved her kids, but if you'd have told her to buckle those kids up, she said it's not possible. <laughs> it became the law. Boom, and we're done. We made it the law. Buckle those kids up. Boom, it's a law. Boom, we do it. And and and, and so, the, Texas did what they could do. And it's not being reported. Number one, are all interior doors and exterior doors to be shut and locked all the time. The people need to go in, and got a key. Number two. There will be laminate film on any glass on the door beside the yes. door how much does that cost yes you know we saw what happened in uh, in the covenant school in nashville when the the killer shot out the glass and crawled in and murdered six people a, you know with just just 30 bucks a laminate film right it's not necessarily bulletproof but it's shatterproof you mm-hmm. shoot holes in it you can't get through it anytime soon and 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 30 bucks a laminate film on that bottom panel and those kids would be alive today. How much does that cost? Now, three things. Number one, keep the doors locked. Number two, it doesn't do good to lock the door if you shoot out the glass. Put the laminate film in the glass. And number three, have somebody in every school that can shoot back. Yes. Now, we have, with two exceptions, there has never been a multiple homicide in an American school with a cop present in the building. Uvalde never got in the building. Parkland never got in the building. Uh, 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 I mean, Uvalde, nobody there. They went in, they went back out again. But the, the two exceptions are Oxford, uh, Michigan, and Santa Fe, Texas, school massacres. And in both cases, the minute the cop got there, not another kid died. So, statistically speaking, the, the greatest achievement, the crime that didn't happen. The problem is, we don't have enough cops, let alone put a cop in every school. Right. So the answer that the media will not talk about is being used nationwide is armed educators. Eighty five percent of all counties in Ohio have had armed educators over a decade, 100 percent success. And, uh, and a judge, uh, it was three years ago, a judge said, well, those armed educators aren't getting enough training. And he made a, a judicial declaration that they can't be armed in our schools. So the state of Ohio rammed through a law, said, yes, they are getting sufficient training. We've been doing it 85% of all counties for over a decade with 100% success. They rammed it through how the media reported. Ohio lowers the standard, have armed educators in the school. So the training that, that Ohio does, many, many other states, very, very similar. Uh, the, 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 the armed educator has is called FASTER, Faculty and Staff Training Emergency Response. The armed educator has to be nominated by their fellow educators. They have to arrive with marksmanship skills. We're not going to turn you into a shooter. I, I'm, and that, using that term like an Olympic sport, we're not going mm-hmm. to turn you into a into into a marksman. Uh, you got to arrive with that skill. And and it's the, and then there's a class and some dynamics that go on. You know, great success. But what's that take? There's somebody in every school who either has the skill or would get the skill. And uh, you know I, I tell people just Carrying a guitar does not make you a musician. Just carrying a gun, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm a favor of guns, but, but, but if you're going to carry a guitar, learn to use the thing. You know, If you're going to mm-hmm. carry a gun, get better with it. But uh, uh, here's this dynamic of putting armed educators nationwide. Virtually every school in Utah for over 20 years, a third of all the schools in Florida, ever since the Parkland School Massacre in Florida, 100% success, the media won't report it. So a, a reporter from the London Times came and took the class, the Ohio class. And and he said after the class, he wrote in the London Times, I never thought I would say this, after having taken the training, after having seen the people who take the training, I now support armed educators in American schools. London Times, buried on page five and never mentioned again. Just the things that are not, and the media keeps saying, oh, it's about the guns. It's about the guns. They want to take away, they want to centralize power. They want to take away authority. And, 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 and the reality is to trust the individual citizen. And, and so the, the, the media drive is not just contrary to solving this problem. It, it's, it's contrary to how our nation should be operating. And, and so we fight back at the local level, identify the things you can do and do them. Uh, get involved in city politics, so as they control your law enforcement. Get involved in county politics, and, and 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 lay this grassroots movement that can that can that can transition our nation and lead us to a better place.
0: And it's so important because that the media breeds those sheep that you talk about. And what so many people don't understand is the steps that we take backwards and how long it takes to catch up. Uh, there are a couple of different school districts around here where the individuals on the school board decided that law enforcement, uniform law enforcement in the school was distracting the kids and was providing them an un, more of an unsafe and an un, unhappy uh, teaching environment. Ironically, all of the teachers in those schools and the students in those schools wanted it, the law enforcement back. <clears throat> but then when we went through to teach things like Alice and active incident responses, trying to reset that mindset of how they should act. You could tell the, the teachers that had come in post law enforcement being in the schools and the mindsets they had. And like you said, you know, don't or have the exterior doors locked. Well, also don't let the delivery person in through that side door, make them go through the front door and talk to the receptionist, things like that. Telling them that you might be, <clears throat> because there are not law enforcement in these schools, you might be the person that has to stop this threat. And to see the eyes get big and the, the pupils <laughs> dilate is yeah. just kind of a testament to how far back these schools have had to go because those sheep are on the school boards and don't understand the decisions that they're making.
1: And we let that happen. We let these people run for school board. We didn't get involved. You know, we, we should be endorsing candidates. You know, the, the fire department is always involved in politics. Right. They're just, they're just knee deep in politics. And they will endorse candidates and they will stand against candidates that are that are proposing harmful, harmful things within their area of expertise. Well, law enforcement should be knee deep in local politics and we should be endorsing school board candidates. And it should be just the death now right. when the, the FOP or the police union or whatever your police association is, when the FOP says the FOP in this city uh, endorses these candidates, and we strongly recommend against to this candidate. Yes, uh, that—that's something we can be doing. Those are things we can control to reach down and 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 get control of our part of the, the nation, and and, and like you said, get the crazies out of there. But I—I I had a a teacher tell me, an elementary school principal. Um, the first one to die at Sandy Hook Elementary School was the principal, uh, Don uh Unarmed woman just charged the killer. What did she think she was going to do? In, in the, in the, the uh, school massacre in Nashville, in Covenant School in Nashville, the first one to die was a janitor, and the second one to die was the principal. An, an armed woman just started to killer. What did she think she was going to do? Right. But I, I, had a, I had an elementary principal tell me. She said, I will die for my children tomorrow. Give me something besides my keys in my hand. When that day comes. Yes. Those are powerful words. And yes. every teacher should know, you know, as a teacher, you will die for your children. You will die blocking the door of your classroom with your body. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not what's going to keep your children safe. We don't want you to have to do that. Right. We, we want to create an environment where you don't have to make those kind of decisions. But when it comes down to the moment, you will die for those children. But we don't want that to happen. We want to create an environment where you don't have to make those kind of decisions. Right. And this starts by arming the right people who have the right mindset uh, and the right skills. Uh, and, and we can do this. These are things we can control. So here's Texas doing the things that can be done. Uh, and, and the media has reported virtually none of it. The only right. report is, oh, they have Texas gun laws, you know. And, and I, I, I got a book. Uh, you know my books on killing, on combat. So much more to talk about it. it's in Assassination Generation. I co-authored a book with Glenn Beck. New York Times bestseller, Glenn Beck, called uh, Control. And it's exposing the truth about guns. And uh, I co authored a book with Glenn. It was a New York Times bestseller. Glenn Beck, awesome guy in person, great guy. New York Times bestseller, best thing ever done on gun control. Not one single review. The entire media refused to give it any oxygen. Right. Not on Fox, not on somebody else. The entire media Look, you can attack a New York Times bestseller. What you cannot do is have the entire industry refuse to give it any oxygen. And, and that's what they're doing. And we don't realize how much the deck is stacked against us. Right. on things like that. And they, that they just they just will immediately refuse to talk about it. New, you know, uh, uh, London Times, uh, a reporter goes and takes a class and I now support it, buried it, never mentioned again. So we're in an uphill battle. Against the media and and their goal is to take is take away your guns and to centralize authority, and uh, and and how do we fight that? We fight that at the local level, as individual cops out there doing good deeds every day with compassion. You know, the the, the, the average cop does more good in a week than most people do in a lifetime, and I, and I believe that. Right? And 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 when you look at what they do and how many people they touch and how many how many times they're there for people in the hour of greatest need. Uh, they, 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 they are doers of great good and and they have love in their heart. And, and as we love our community, we can take charge. We can take charge of that, that school board and get endorsed, get get knee deep. Uh, you know, you guys started a podcast, you know, in, in response to what's happening. But get involved in local politics. Get involved in uh, school board politics and and inspire police to, to endorse candidates. And, and if oh, my FOP won't get involved, then get elected to the leadership of the FOP yes. uh, under the that, that, that agenda. So I'm, I'm running for, you know, the, the FOP won't endorse school board candidates. who won't get involved in politics. We need to get involved. I'm running for president of FOP under that platform. Good. I'm voting for you right now. And, and we can change this. Right. We have all the tools in our hands right now. To make the difference at, the, at the, the local level by endorsing candidates and getting knee deep in elections and running candidates. Uh, we got case after case where the local SRO uh, gets on the school board, gets elected. You know, everybody knows them. They've been the SRO for 10 years. Yeah. Everybody knows them. They trust them. They run for office and boom, they're the mayor. What do you know? Yeah. So there's things we can do. Identify the things we can control. And it begins right down there at that local level. And do it. Let go of everything else and focus on those things we can do.
0: Well, to fall back onto your passion, but then to also be genuine about it. Uh, You're a a very religious man, so I'm sure that you know the passage better than I do. Uh, But Jesus talks about giving, not for yourself, but for others. Because if you give for that reward, you've already received your reward. reward. But if you give quietly, you'll receive a much greater reward later on. And I think that kind of boils down to law enforcement too. I I get so... uh, wrapped up and and kind of uh, anxiety ridden when i see those clips of officers going out and being part of the community that for some reason the video started well before the officers got there and you guys are getting a reward right now on that video clip go out and just yeah. be the person that you were when you first started get that reward long term and do so quietly because the community is going to see that as well
1: <clears throat> yeah well said so, you know uh, one of the things and this is you know, I, 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 my book uh, on spiritual combat has really, really had an impact. Uh, we've got a book that was a Christian Book Award finalist, kind of cool, called Bulletproof Marriage, yep. 90 Day Devotional, Sheepdog and Spouse. Well, my co-author and I wrote this book, you know, 10 minutes a day for 90 days. Why anybody really do that? I'll go to Amazon, look at the reviews. We got yeah. like 700 five-star reviews on Amazon. Uh, so faith is part of the equation, and it allows you to take that big that big picture, uh, and look at things from from a broader perspective. You know, in the end, now pray about everything. God wants us to bring everything to the table and pray for it. Pray about our pets, pray about our health. But sooner or later, everybody will die. Pray for our nation, but sooner or later, every nation falls. Yes. Sooner or later, the sun will die. But eternity continues. We're all going to die. Every nation falls. Every sun goes out and yet eternity continues. And and keep your eye on that big picture, and that can really carry you, can sustain you. But there's this existential question, because first responders see every terrible thing that happens, and they can't help but ask this fundamental question, how could a loving God allow these terrible things to happen? And the answer is very simple. We are not God's puppets. A loving God... We're not use you as a meat puppet, manipulating everything you do and everything that happens. The evil one will use you as a meat puppet in the blink of an eye. But you ever heard the, the saying, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. That's how much God loves us. He loves us enough to let us make our own decisions. Right. And that means a lot of people make bad decisions. You say, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I sent you. And uh, and 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 the Bible says that law enforcement is God's agent for for to to do good, and and uh, and, and 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 know again that our reward is in heaven. When mm-hmm. you can take a deep breath and understand that uh, our riches are not here on earth. We're we're never going to get rich in this business, but but our, our reward is in the good deeds that we do and the riches that we have in heaven. And and, and taking that that deep breath and looking at that big picture can really sustain us over the long haul. Yes. And, and understanding that, that that God is not going to, you know, what a loving father loom over your shoulder every minute of your life, every day of your life, manipulate. No, no. A loving parent has got to let their children go make their own decisions. Right. And that's how much God loves us. Right. And, and, and you're there to fix the bad things that happen and, and, uh, and keep your eye on the big picture and, and, and go forth and do good deeds. And, and, and that's really what it's all about. And you talk about, you know, in war, in normal combat, we win to a large degree by killing the enemy. In spiritual combat, we win by saving them. And that's a powerful thing right there. And you and talk about Jesus. He said, Jesus said, essentially, there's a new commandment. We all know the Ten Commandments. But he said, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. And he loved enough to lay his life down for us. And Jesus said, greater love is known than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. So what manner of love is this, that people will lay their life down for strangers? What manner of love is this, that men and women will walk out that door and put their life on the line for people they never even met? Right. You believe in who you are, right. and you believe in what you do. And, and, and greater good is no one than, than this. So just 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 stay in that fight and and, and continue to identify things. You do are starting a podcast, getting involved in local politics. Uh, you know, uh, uh, gosh, there's just so much we can be doing out there because we love our family, we love our way of life, we love our God, and, and love means the worse it gets, harder we fight.
0: And you know, like you said, we love our family. It's also so important that your family is part of that strength and part of that that fire. Right? You talked about your 90-day devotional. And I I thought how impactful and powerful would it be and important would it be if every time someone was either trying to be elected sheriff or running for chief in their local jurisdiction, if they had to have their spouse there with them, whether it be a husband, wife, whatever, to be part of that interview process to see whether or not that spouse is behind the person running for it, because they're going to need that behind them in this journey they're going through. There's going to be a lot of tough times in front of them. And they're going to need yeah, that, that support.
1: You see, you see politicians do that. And I think there's a value in that. But it, what a great tip. And you know what else is crazy? I introduced the concept of the sheepdog. Yes. It was out of my book on combat. The sheep, the wolf, and the sheepdog. And it, it really took off. Right. And, and it's been a joy. I actually hold the U.S. government trademark for the term sheepdog as a protector. Okay. And, uh, and uh, um, But the crazy thing is that we love dogs. You know, uh, in in the in in the in the Bible, dogs were considered unclean. Right. You know, and and, uh, and and but we love dogs. People get more angry when a police canine is murdered than when a cop is murdered. And and we love dogs. And and you know, I tell every politician, you should be out there with your dog as yeah. well. You know, your dog should come with you it should yes. be well trained. Uh, let me do an aside. On, uh, on suicide and, and service dogs and come back to loving dogs. Uh, you know, there's no great law about what is a service dog and what is not. Uh, there's no, no certification, you know. The, so what I tell people is I, I've lost, I, I lost a brother and two nephews to suicide. One of them was, a, was a, 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 a Afghanistan vet. And if he had had a service dog, he would not have taken his life. Uh, We we see that over and over again. Uh, The the best tool against suicide is that service dog. I I can't do that to my partner, my buddy, my friend. But the thing to understand what that dog does for you is you're never alone. Dogs are pack animals. They're not meant to be alone. You have one dog. You live alone at home. It's solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. Solitary confinement is torture in prison. But he got two dogs, right? We've got two people in a cell, no big deal. we got two dogs, leave them at home alone, they're good to go. Well, we're the same way. We're not meant to be alone. One person alone in the cell is torture, solitary confinement, two people in the cell is normal. So the, the, the thing that dog does for you is you are never alone. You put that vest on him, train him well, don't let him embarrass us, don't be an embarrassment, train him well, you put that vest on him, and take them everywhere. They yeah. go to the bathroom with you. Hey, you go to the bathroom with them. Uh, they go to the restaurant with you. They go. To the, they go shopping with you. A- and people love that. They love seeing that dog. They love what that dog does. And you are never alone. Right. And they get you up in the morning. Right. Hey, hey, got to go outside. I'm going to crap on the floor. It's your fault. Get you out of that bed. No, yeah. go. and, and and they get you up in the morning. They get you outside. They get you going. There's so much that dog can do for us. And I I I, I was at a police uh, suicide conference, wounded blue conference in Vegas. Uh, just a couple of months back, and a lot of dog providers out there, and they all were in agreement with me. Right now, the only kind of dog available is a Rolex. You got to raise all kinds of money and spend twenty thousand dollars. Right. Well, a Rolex is great, and selling Rolexes is great. But I need a Timex. Yeah. And my nephew needed a Timex, and and we can have a Timex. We can really do it. But it comes back to the sheepdog idea and the fact that we we love dogs and politicians should have pictures with their spouse and their dog, you know, and take their dog with them and get that same, the same concept there. And uh, uh, I've had several cops, SROs in recent years tell me that they take their own dog to work. Mm-hmm. And and what a great contribution that is. One case, the cop said, well, the, the department pays the insurance and I trained him it was golden retriever. Another one said, no, <laughs> there's no insurance. I just bring them there. And the department gave me okay, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a yellow lab, you know, just a sweet, me- mellow old dog. And, uh, and there's so much we can do, but it brings us back to the whole sheepdog thing. And my most recent book is uh, on spiritual warfare. Uh, just came out uh, last week, January 1st. And, and we talk about being God's faithful dog. You know, when we get there, God will embrace us as a beloved child. And we will understand things that we cannot even begin to understand right now. But... Right now, it's all I can think of is to be God's dog. I, I got I got a dog, a chocolate lab, mellow old thing. She had four litters of puppies and became my wife's service dog. This is the sweetest dog. If I let her go, she'll be in the neighbor's house rolling something stinky. She <laughs> gets off the leash. She wanders out there, but I still love her. Mm-hmm. And God sees every bad thing that we do, and he still loves us. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, if if we have given ourselves to God, if we're under God, and we, we've accepted Jesus as our savior, then we belong to him. Will Rogers, uh, 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 kind of a, a humorist in, uh, in the mid 1900s, he, he said, if you ever get to thinking, you're a man of some importance, try telling another man's dog what to do. <laughs> And if you ever did that, you ever did that, the dog will look at you, if that dog can talk, here's what he'd say, he'd say, I don't know much, I'm just a dog, right. I know this. I'm not your dog. Right. So when the evil one comes for us, we look in the eyes and tell him, I'm not your dog. <laughs> I'm I love not it. Your dog. I love it. I know who I belong to. I know where I'm going. And, and in so many ways, it has always been the ultimate dynamic.
0: Okay. So you brought it up. Now we have to ask questions about it. You talked about the sheep, the sheepdog and the wolf. Yeah. When you started this whole journey, did you ever see did you ever think that you would walk down the street and see a t-shirt with that phrase on the back of it? Did you ever think we would get to that point?
1: Isn't that so cool? <laughs> I'll tell you now, uh, in the military, I was one of the intellectuals influencing thought. And uh, we got a thing called maneuver warfare. Now, the old thing is, we're going to do a, a, an attack down this axis of, of, of salt. And, okay. But maneuver war says we're going to send recon out in these 10 directions. And the one that's successful, we're going to reinforce that one. And that'll be our major axis of a song. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's fighting smart, as opposed to just, you know, you just pound your head against the wall. You go to the side and, and you do, you know, it's it's like verbal judo, you know, it's it. It's, so So what I try to do is I send out recon in every direction. I got books in multiple directions. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm, I, 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 I'm diversified. I, I teach school safety. I teach cops. I teach military. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've done psychiatric grand rounds in hospitals. When something's successful, you reinforce that. So my first book on killing came out, and the idea of the sheepdog was floated very briefly in On Killing. And that was something the veterans really honed in on. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, And I built on that in my presentations. I began to spend more time on that. Then we wrote the book on combat. We had a whole section on that. And we took that section out and we put it out thinking this has potential to be able to take off. So so again, what I tell people is in life, be diversified. Now I would have never thought, but, but, but I, I've got a lot of things out there. You know, I've had business ideas that have fallen flat. I've got concepts that didn't get anywhere. Uh, but, but don't be bothered by those failures. Uh, just keep throwing things out there. And when one takes off, then reinforce that one. And don't ignore all the others. You know, just, just keep pushing the envelope. But the, the whole idea is about, uh, is about identifying the things you can do and, and doing them. And the only way you know that is if you try. So put a feeler out in every different direction. And the one that gets success, that's the one you reinforce. And, and so, it, uh, it certainly—you know—I never dreamed of anything like that, but it was my goal. It was my goal to be able to influence events at the highest level, at the national level. And uh, and every book, you know, I, I tell people, we live in a time with there's room for lots of books, even if your grandkids only once ever read the book. Write that book, and uh, and you know, and just keep pushing that envelope and 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 doing that little. Uh, a little podcast or, or doing your own little online journal and, uh, and sending out little humorous concepts about what happened in, as a law enforcement officer today. And, and one day you'll, you'll, you'll put together a couple years of those clips and put them in a book. And, you know, the book will take off. And, and it all began with you doing one little, one little online thing to your friends about something funny that happened at work today. And, 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 uh, you know, and just, just keep putting out those feelers, just, just identify the things you can do and then, and then do those. And and that laid the foundation. And and I want to kind of give an example of, of, uh, of about my advice, and on, uh, on to young cops and military and everyone else. I, I'll tell you a story and then another story to tie together. So we're in ranger school. We're part way through ranger school. We've gone days without sleep and days without food. We're just we're just zombies, and we we come back and uh, and and. Uh, we're all sitting there and we're turning in our equipment and at ranger school, if you lose your map, you're a failure. I mean, one thing you cannot do, lose a canteen, life goes on, can't lose a weapon and can't lose a map, right? Your maps. And, uh, and, and so we got this, you know, we're all army officers and NCOs, right. And, uh, and going to ranger school. And there's this big tall Marine Lieutenant with us and, uh, and this, uh, this lieutenant comes staggering back. We got these outhouses there, and we're turning in, and we'll actually be able to go home and, and get a good night's sleep and get a meal and then go to the next phase. He says, oh, I have my map in the cargo pocket, and, and it fell into the, the latrine, in, into the outhouse. So I need somebody to hold my legs <laughs> go down and get this map. And, and, and I looked around, and everybody's just kind of, they're all zombies, you know, they're all zombies. And this huge bunch of, 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 of Bravo Foxtrots, you know. He <laughs> he's not asking you to dip in the crappy. He, he just he just wants somebody to, to hold his legs. And, and my ranger buddy, Jim Boyle, he and I had gone through OCS, infantry officer base together. And I said, Jimbo, let's go dip our marine in the outhouse. You know, so <laughs> we we there's this hatch in the back of the outhouse to so we'll hold his legs. And he's gagging and puking. We get him down there, and he gets the map. We pull him out, you know, and, and we slap it on everything, and we we put our wash our canteens over it, and we go to turn in the maps, and and he turns out in, and the ranger sergeant looks at it like, what the hell? <laughs> like, at least he's got his map right. He he didn't fail ranger school because <laughs> of that. Well, then we did our peer evaluation. Everybody sits down and evaluates everybody else in the platoon. I said, I'm going to get hammered by these guys, and I don't <laughs> care. I'm just totally disgusted. They, a fellow marine, needed help. They let him down. Hell with them. I'm done with it. I, I, don't. I give up. I'm done. I don't care what they say. So about an hour later, as we're all getting ready to to finally be loose for a short period of time, and then back into the the the, the captain in charge of our class, the, the attack tack officer, he said, Ranger Grossman, I'm going to have to put you and Ranger Boyle in two different platoons from the next cycle. Well, first am I'm, I'm glad that I'm going to be in the next cycle, you know. I said, well, 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 well why? He said, Everybody in the platoon feared you and Boyle, number one and number two. And I can't let two strong leaders like that stay together. And it was the missed opportunity of a lifetime. Right. If I have just said, well, sir, it's only because we dipped our Marine in the upcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because we dipped him in crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but the lesson from that. When, things, when people are down, when things are coming unglued, uh, uh, it's, it's the one with the energy. It's the one that, that, that can stand up and, and, and do that little extra bit that people look up to. So let me give you a law enforcement angle on that. Uh, uh, Mike Neal was a fish and game officer in Arkansas. In uh, West Memphis, Arkansas, two cops were murdered. Uh, and they they knew what it was. It was a couple of white supremacist uh, sovereign nation wackos, father and son. And this is Dragnet. And Mike Neal, fishing game officer from 100 miles away, driving 90 miles an hour, comes. And Mike Neal pulls into the local Walmart. And here's this vehicle they're all looking for, the white van, father and son, and the local sheriff who was unarmed? Caught unarmed, a destroyed human being. Didn't even run for re-election. The local sheriff and a deputy is pinned down behind their crown vehicle, their police vehicle. These two idiots are leaning out the driver window and the passenger window and just riddling this cop car. And Mike Neal gets on the radio with local dispatch, and he said, uh, you know, it said uh, I found your bad guys. They got two of your cops pinned down in the Walmart parking lot, and." The yeah, dispatch kind of said, who are you? What are you doing? He said, I don't have time for this. And, and this has been caught on video, the, the Walmart parking lot video.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He floors this, his, his Game and Fish vehicle, which has gone into the National Museum now. He floors his vehicle, and he slams into the back of this van. And there's a great shot of the windshield of his vehicle with bullet holes everywhere, where the bad guys are shooting back. And just two small circles of bullet holes where he's firing out. And, and he killed them both. And he had his AR there in the passenger seat, had his own ammo. And uh, and, and he killed them both in an incredible feat of of, of, of of marksmanship and courage. And he said something really important. He said, I had a chance to talk to him. And he's, he, was, he became the sheriff. Been in several more gunfights, shot more bad guys in the flu vaccine. An amazing guy. But he said, at the time, he told me, he said, I'm the kind of cop other cops make fun of. He said... They don't make fun of me no more. (laughs) And my message is be that cop. Be that one. Be that one that that is pushing the envelope, that is running for office, that is starting a podcast. Be that one who's a a jujitsu black belt in the art of the the firearm and and, and masters his skills. Push that envelope. Be that one. Things are bad. Things are crazy. This is midway through Ranger School. We're food deprived, we're sleep deprived, and the one that has the energy. To stand up and start a podcast, the one that has the energy to stand up and run for office or or or, 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 or help manage the department uh, Facebook page and put all the clips and the stuff in there. Whoever that person is, be that person. Push that envelope and people will look to you. They will turn to you. I'm the kind of cop other the cops make fun of. They don't make fun of me no more. Well, it's time to be that cop, right? to be that person. Right. And that, that's, that's my little two bits on... On, on on leadership and serving under pressure and uh, and, uh, and and be that guy.
0: So let me ask you this then, and I, for some reason I'm having camera issues. I apologize with that for those watching at home. Uh, but what are some traits that Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman looks at for leadership?
1: We you know there's a couple of things. Uh, the Marine Corps, you know, I'm an Army guy, and it's hard for me to admit this, but the Marine Corps really does some pretty amazing things. And one of the things they do is they mandate professional reading. And a lot of them are doing it with audio books. And I do the narration on all my books. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you just listen to an audiobook on your daily commute, you know, you can be, uh, you can, you can do a book a month easily. Yeah. And, and there's some good professional development reading you can do. Uh. uh and, 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 and you know, you don't have to be this great intellectual writing books and stuff like that. But but you can you can absorb, listen to podcasts, find good podcasts and absorb them. But but the step above that really is the audio books and, and finding good books and having this 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 agreed upon body of knowledge who can build upon. Uh, you know, there's so many things. that like Physical fitness is important, but the truth is, we'll all grow old and we'll probably put on some weight but we can still be one hell of a shot. We'll grow old and we'll grow fat, but we can still be one hell of a shot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the things I recommend to people is to is to be confident in your skills and not to be afraid to be on the range. You know, we got police leadership who are embarrassed to be on the range. Uh, and, 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 and that's just bad. That's, right. that's all around totally bad. We'll grow old and we'll grow fat, but we can still be one hell of a shot. I. I personally like the Martial Art of the Firearm, Hojutsu, hojuts dot Hojutsu.com, Hujutsu.com, the Martial Art of the Firearm. Uh, there's, we don't have pistol teams anymore. We don't have bowling leagues. We have over 20 million Americans in the martial arts. The idea of striving for the next belt, the idea of turning shooting into martial art. And, and we're, we're the people of the gun. The pistol is our martial art. This is who we are and what we do. And, uh, and so, so push that envelope intellectually and physically. Physical fitness is terribly important, but far more important is is skills and being able to be walk proudly. I, I, I co-present with Officer Greg Stevens, who uh, uh, two uh, uh, two art critics showed up at the Draw the Prophet Muhammad Art Festival outside of Dallas, Texas, in May of 2015. Uh, the, the FBI says these guys are the first ISIS-directed attack on American soil. These two idiots said, "We want to die for the cause. What do we do?" They said go to the draw the Prophet Art Festival outside of Dallas, Texas, and kill them all. These guys rolled out of the vehicle. They had body armor. They had rifles. They had the element of surprise, and a fifty-nine-year-old traffic cop with a pistol killed them both. Officer Greg Stevens. He, he all he ever did, all he wanted to do, is be a traffic cop. That's all he wanted to do. Thirty-nine years on the department. Thirty-seven years. Fifty-nine years old. All he wanted to do was be a traffic cop. Uh, and and but he said. My department had an open range once edited a month. And once edited a month for thirty-seven years, I was on the range. And I was shooting. Oh, go to the range on your own time. Not even pay anywhere. word to the range because t- I'm a Texas cop and I live on dirt. Right. And the range is open and the ammo's free. And there's something wrong with you if you're not there.
0: And my nearest backup is twenty-five minutes away.
1: Boom. Boom. <laughs> Amen. And and, and Greg Stevens said, look, he said, for thirty-seven years. I made a steady deposit in a savings account," he said. "In May of 2015, I made a major withdrawal. How's your account looking? How's your account looking? So, 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 be proficient with your tools of profession, Uh, and 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 that's everything. Number two is 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 professional development, but but I think the heart of everything. Well, sleep, you know, is a part of mine. We can do another whole pass on sleep, but uh, <laughs> sleep deprivation makes you stupid. You've got to manage your sleep and you've got to get science. You know, we've got to sleep in a totally dark room. The sleep mask will rock your world. Uh, track your sleep with your Fitbit. Wear that sleep mask and, and, and pace yourself for the long game and get sufficient sleep. Sleep deprivation is destroying our civilization. It's a key factor in suicide. It's a key factor in traffic deaths. Uh, it's a key factor in many, many things, including Alzheimer's as mm-hmm. I'll sleep when I'm dead. We have a decade of Alzheimer's first, you idiot. Right. But, uh, uh, but I, the, the final dynamic and the most important one of all is to create an environment that nurtures the quiet professional. The laconic Spartan, the Stoic Roman, the inscrutable samurai, the stiff upper lip Brit, and today we talk about the quiet professional. Those are all different ways of saying the same thing, self-control. The one thing every warrior society honors is self-discipline, self-control. So, Viktor Frankl in a Nazi death camp the only thing these bastards can't control is how I choose to respond. So, if you lose your temper, you didn't lose it, you gave it away. It's the only thing you can't control. Now, that's easy to say. But it ain't so easy to do. But understand that this is a big game. If you lose your temper... You lose the game. And it comes back to self-discipline, self-control. I am ashamed. Some of the things I did with my kids. We do better with the grandkids. And we're better people. Most people have looked at their parents with your kids and said, are you the same ones that raised me? No, they're not. They're 20 years. Those those grandparents are at least 20 years older, more mature. It's called maturity. We want to get as fast as we can. Uh, Nobody respects our temper tantrum. They respect our call so nurture that environment of quiet professionals and the first step is understanding it is never ever acceptable to lose your temper that's the only thing the universe you can' control now that's easy to say <laughs> but it's so easy to do but it's that goal that we strive for and a big swig of water <laughs> can pull you down from fight or flight to rest and digest the breathing exercise, so I, I give people an angle on this uh, 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 controlling that. Now, uh, I, I've gotten nasty grams from Antifa and other people. You know, the, the, I've been canceled cultures come at me full bore, and they're and going to rape my dog and kill my family and all this stuff. And I can't control these idiots, right? All I can control is how I choose to respond. So when I give them those nasty grams, I get to have a piece of candy, some candy that I save and have a piece every now and then. And, uh, I almost look forward to that now. I mean, I <laughs> see those people <laughs> saying, you evil bastard. tell your evil yard. And you get a trucker cover, cherry. Yeah, so so who wins now? Right. You see a win by remaining calm and taking what they meant to hurt you, turn it into something positive. And so what I tell people is I like Tootsie Rolls. And they're individually wrapped. They stay clean. They're good in the heat. They're good in the cold. Um, they remind me of little, little one-inch long Tootsie Rolls. They remind me of uh, Halloween candy, you know. Uh, have a little bag of tootsie rolls, whatever you want, in the, in the, in the, the dash of your car. And you only get to have one when somebody's ugly to you. They give you the finger, they mouth off to you, they disrespect you. You know, people say, oh, they, they want to be cops because they like to control people. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid, the that dumbest thing anybody could say, the crap the cops got to put up with. But every time that happens, you get to have a tootsie roll. And what they meant to hurt you, you turn it into something so a cop told me, he said, I'd be fat in a week.
0: He said, I'd be fat in a week. I'd have a
1: thousand rolls." He said, he said, so I use Smarties. And that little Smartie is my chill pill. And I take that little Smartie and I'd put that in my mouth. And that thing dissolves in my mouth. And I regain control. And I take my little chill pill, regain control. So that's a tool. That, you, know, you don't always have a, a Smartie or a Tootsie Roll, you don't always have a bottle of water. You can always stop and breathe. And that breathing reaches out and grabs conscious control of the unconscious part of the body. The swig of water does the same thing. You know, the, the smarty or the Tootsie Roll does the same thing. But just nurture that environment above all else of self-improvement, of self-control. And, and we're all human. Forgive yourself for the bad days. Take pleasure in the good days. Walk out there every day to do a better job. And the only thing in the universe you can control is yourself. And so we work on that. We strive for that. Self mastery. And we're in a profession where it's honored. And we're in a profession where it's needed. And we are in a time when it's desperately needed. To have our, our people go, our, our, go out there and do that.
0: I think you inadvertently titled this episode It's gonna to be Tootsie Rolls with Lieutenant David <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. Go for it. Go uh, for be- it. Before we hit the next part, I do want to backtrack a little bit again because yeah. you kind of briefly hit on it. You talked about uh, uh, being a master of your tools, and you briefly talked about those you know those admin that go out and they're not good at shooting, and so they become embarrassed and they shy away. It is so important for every aspect that you work at in law enforcement that it's okay to not be good at it right now. It's okay to not know everything about it, but don't be embarrassed and don't run away from it. Oh, yeah. Take it on as a challenge, yeah. push forward, and get better at it.
1: You know, Officer Greg Stevens, when he talks to departments, you know, one of the greatest acts of courage marksmanship in American history, two guys with rifles roll out over 30 rounds of rifle fire fired at him. They didn't hit once. He's hitting with just dead solid accuracy. And Greg Stevens said, Don't be that guy that says, Oh, the, the department has me scheduled for training. He said, When the department you should be joyful that they gave you training because they want you to be better at what right. you do. Right, right. They, they think it's so important that they can take you off the street for a while and give you training. He said it was report writing. I, I, I went to a class on report writing, and I really, really got better. And I, I spent 37 years as a cop, and I learned how to do a better job. And your department wants you to be ready better. So strive for that training. Seek that training. And, 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 and know that it, it's important. Go do it with that positive attitude. And Greg said, said, it's one of the best responses he gets. When people walk up and said, you know, you're right. I was that guy that says, oh, they got mispeduled for trade. You know what? Duh. Oh, you're right. This is, this is the proper attitude to have that I want to be better and I want to strive. And here I am on the department's time getting paid. I don't even have to do it on my own dime, on my own time. I'm getting paid to come and get this self-improvement. <laughs> Seek that, <clears throat> desire that. And he- all of those different aspects.
0: Heaven talking. forbid we adjust our schedules for anything because we're type A, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I do want to pick your brain real quick and not to go to a negative side of things, but you, you are so much better than I am at discussing what a warrior is. Okay. And in your book, you talk about how so many have gotten into the career field of law enforcement as well as military uh, to try it out. And then they realize quite quickly that it wasn't for them, that they were not that warrior inside. I always try to say that there's always a warrior inside, and to find it within you. You talk about how some people—it's just not them. They don't have it in them. Yeah. Right now, we're we're really seeing a recruitment and retention issue, where even five years ago, if we had someone who wasn't up to snuff, either they would find out themselves through you know simulation training, like you talk about, or even having that come to Jesus meeting that we would right. you know in the squad car. Now these people are getting three, four, five extensions on their field training because. Okay we can't afford to get rid of them. How much, or I guess, are you seeing that on a global level or is that more in my area and how bad is it when you see it? It's
1: nationwide and it's tragic. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I tell every class, and I've had the honor to train a lot of state chiefs association, national sheriff's association. and, And I tell them never lower the standard. Recruiting is down, retention is down. We've been around this block once before. Uh, pre-9-11, post-Rodney King. A lot of people don't even know what that's about. But pre-9-11, uh, uh, recruiting was so bad that they were waiving felonies to get people to be cops. And uh, and Gordon Graham, legendary law enforcement, Henry, likes to talk about the Rampart scandal, LAPD. Mm-hmm. Rampart scandal, LAPD, executive summary, page one, number one. We probably shouldn't have hired a cop with a felony record. <laughs> So here's what I tell people. We're now in a zero defects environment. We cannot afford have a single cop walk out that door and do something stupid. It will be caught on camera. We'll all pay a terrible price for it. Mm-hmm. So better no cop than a bad cop.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, the weight standard, I'll grow old. You know, you know uh, 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 tattoos and beards, uh, you know, Time's come and go, you know, we can be flexible. But the one thing we cannot, we must not uh, reduce the standard on is ethical and moral ability to do this job. And when we've got somebody who clearly cannot do the job, we've got to understand this. Bad things happen every day and there's no cop there and life goes on. But bad things happen and there's a bad cop there doing something stupid, it's far, far worse than no cop. Right. And better no cop than a bad cop. We accept there's there's, there's, things happen every day with no cop there. We accept that. We got to wrap our mind around this zero defects environment. And as we go through this cycle, better no cop than a bad cop. Yeah, numbers are low. We'll keep driving on. Yeah, calls won't get serviced. If they public care, they'll give us more money, they'll give us more. We do the end result, where we're headed to, we're a wealthy nation. When things go wrong, we throw money at it. That's how we won World War II. It's how mm-hmm. we won the Cold War and the pandemic. What we did in the pandemic, we threw trillions of dollars at it. And we have not even begun to throw money at this problem. When public beings understand how desperately bad it is, they're going to throw money at it. And we'll start paying cops the kind of money they deserve to be paid. The person who decides whether or not to shoot your kid should be the best trained, best paid, best qualified guy on the planet. And, and, and we're, we're gonna go there, that's where we're headed. Have faith in our way of life, and have faith in our nation. But in the meanwhile, better no cop than a bad cop. Recognize that. We gotta, just, we gotta have the moral fiber to get rid of the dead wood. Now, we try to never send a failure off our training site. We're on the range. And somebody can't shoot, that's a reflection on the trainer and not them. But sooner or later, we hit the point where we say, we're not able to to bring this person up to standard and they need to go. Failing people is a reflection on the trainer far more than it is a reflection on the trainee. But after you've done everything you can do and they're still not up to standard, then we have to accept the fact that this person does not belong in this profession. Better no cop than a bad cop. So many of these bad things are happening. And you know, look what happened in Memphis.
0: I was just going to say, beat, yeah.
1: beat to death. Yeah. Uh, that was just a business of, of failure to train, of, of reduce selection processes, uh, uh, a failure to supervise. What, what a tragic example uh, of, of having things go in the wrong direction.
0: And it's so tragic, too, because when you watch those videos, that incident could have been ended at the traffic stop. Everything could have been wrapped up there had those individuals yeah. been trained properly or not been hired in the first place yes. because of that poor, that poor yeah. recruitment. So
1: That's our, our example of, of, of not lowering the standards you yeah. know, for any reason whatsoever. We don't care who they are, what they are. Uh, if, if they're not able to meet the standard have moral and physical dynamics, they need to go find another profession.
0: I often uh, a bad
1: person. They may be a superior person, but they don't belong in this job.
0: I almost wonder if those officers will have a defense of they never should have been there in the first place, but they were put there, you know, (laughs) uh,
1: you know, it would, it would almost be a a very positive thing overall if they were to do that. Yeah. They were to pursue that lack of training, lack of selection. uh, I I think that would be a message that would echo through the law enforcement leadership community. That's a message they need to get. Yeah. uh, uh, That's, it's kind of a, it's a, Clever insight there.
0: I'd, I'd almost like to see that happen. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, I would be as if you need it from here. <laughs> sure. I would be a terrible podcast host if I didn't ask you to explain to our listeners what, uh, um, just had a total brain for you. What, uh, what the Grossman Academy and then the Grossman on Truth is all about.
1: Well, thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Uh, grossmanontruth.com is my website. Uh, We used to be Killology.com, and Killology is intentionally provocative, you know. Criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. Killology is not about teaching people to kill. It's about understanding the factors enable and restrain killing. But we, you know, cancel culture comes at you. You don't meet them head on. You you sidestep. We rebranded, and we really came up with a a great website and some great stuff on GrossmanOnTruth.com, the truth on killing, the truth on combat. The Truth on Hunting, The Truth on Spiritual Combat, GrossmanOnTruth.com. Now, Grossman Academy is online classes where you can pick up in-service training or, or college training. Uh, my book, uh, On Combat, is an online class. You get an e-copy of the book, work all the way through the book. On Killing is an online class being used in a lot of college curriculums, a lot of places nationwide. They say, you know, On Killing has been cited over 30 that. 3,600 times in scholarly works. And here's a, a class up. we're in the process of turning on hunting into an online class. And again, that's picked up by colleges nationwide to understand the anthropology and, and the dynamics of hunting and everything about it. So uh, Grossman Academy has got the online classes, the on combat class, the on killing class, very soon the on hunting class, but grossmanontruth.com is our website. And uh, we got all the books for sale there. And, uh, uh, we'll personalize them in any way you want. That's one of the joys every every morning of signing a patch of books and personalizing books to people. Uh, uh, I, I love being able to do that, and that that's through our website, and also go to Amazon and get them and uh, and roll that direction too if you like. But that, thanks for asking. Of course, that's, that's, of course. That's the angle. Yeah.
0: I like I said I would be a terrible host if I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't lead off at least off that. I'm
1: very up. good in many ways. I'm not a very good very good uh, uh, a guest because I I always forget to do that. But then, <laughs>
0: I, I would absolutely encourage our listeners, if they haven't already heard of, of Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, I can't imagine they haven't. I, there's a lot of things that I forgot from the Academy, but the, the several things that I remembered was I needed to read your two books and uh, the Sheep, Sheep, Dogs, and, and Wolves. So I can't imagine anyone listening to this show has does not know who you are. But if for some reason you don't, I strongly encourage you to go to that website look up Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. He is a true leader. He's a true inspiration. He is really the man, the myth and the legend behind so many things that law enforcement does. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, for giving us this insight. We've talked for an hour and 20 minutes now. It's right. been a great show. Uh, I would ask one last thing is that, are you willing to sign off you for be. us? You betcha. I would love that. If you'd give our I sign would,
1: off, I'd be honored to you. But first, God bless you. God bless America and stay safe. We'll get through this together.
0: I love it. Stay safe, everybody.